that they were planning an execution for um, at least four search warrants on that night. Um, the sergeant was requesting bodies, but he was also requesting uh, canine, uh, narcotics canine, dogs, one for each location, and uh, whoever was available to respond to him by email, I believe I responded to him, and I don't even know, a day or so after that, saying I was available, Sunday off, we went back in to do the dog stuff, make the entry for the bodies. Um, so that's how initially I was, I was uh, advised of because working in, in different platoons were really not so much uh, involved in other platoons investigations, I guess. So I didn't know anything about the specifics of the investigation other than they just needed the dog, which I had, and uh, being a narcotics canine handler, and then uh, I knew they were short on bodies, so they needed that. Um, met at the division uh, that night, uh, and I, I want to say it was around 10 or 11 at, at, at our office at Orange Bay in the large conference room. Uh, we were briefed um, on the specifics, uh, targets, uh, guns, uh, just the normal stuff uh, on the board. It was already written out for us, the address, uh, that type of stuff, and what locations they had broken uh, each, uh, I guess, each location that the specific people that were assigned to search to make entry to search that were responsible for that, uh, that residence. I think the place based uh, platoon had like one detective at least assigned to each place, and they were going to be the, I guess, the, the lead detective in each of those spots. So uh, I was already on the board for the Springfield address, along with the other detectives I'm sure you're aware of, and uh, we proceeded from the office to um, St. Andrews and St. Anthony. I believe it's a church that's near the corner there. And we sat up there, somebody had already advised, uh, had already notified EMS rather, uh, to have an EMS wagon standing by. And I was actually, I think the last one to arrive in the parking lot there at the church. Um, EMS was already there, the wagon was already there. And then I think Lieutenant Hoover and all the rest of the detectives were, were, were there. Um, they had told us previously that we were going to execute the warrant simultaneously or just after the execution of the warrants on Elliot. So we basically just listened to the radio and SWAT was getting ready to uh, hit those locations on Elliot and then we were to move up and do the location on Spring. Spring. Um, we proceeded up the hill, parked. I parked in this regular parking spot. Uh, some other officers had parked in the, in the middle of the parking lot. And I parked just, I guess, north of the building, maybe five or ten spots. Um, left my dog in the car. My dog was never out of the car. He was in his kennel. Um, and that's commonplace. Uh, we will, our dogs are, are, are single purpose dogs and not uh, patrol them or patrol uh, duties. They're responsible for narcotics detection only. So they're not trained to you know, make entry or to chase people or anything like that. The dog is in his kennel the whole time. Um, we line up and head towards the building, and I believe uh, Officer Detective Campbell, I think he was the, uh, the DO um, for the location because I had never been there. So he showed us the building, the door. Uh, we made entry, or we made our way through the, the common area, I guess, of the fourplex, and passed a, a stairwell, and then the stack kind of uh, lined up there. 
I don't remember who was in front of me, but there was a few detectives in front of me coming kind of towards the back, but it was banging on the wall or the door, both. Um, young police search warrant, actually young police search warrant. Myself, I don't know if I'm Metro Police or if I just young police search warrant numerous times. And he was actually banging, I think, on the side of the door because I think the whole building was like, it was a loud percussion. In that time, and I don't know who the gentleman's name was, I came out from the apartment directly above him. It was an African-American gentleman, maybe in his, maybe in his 50s. Um, and he wondered what was going on. Uh, I addressed him, because I was kind of farther back on the stack, so I could still see up the stairway to him. I spoke with him and explained, you know, we were, we were police and to go back in his apartment. Uh, he kind of like wanted to argue, I think, like, what is this about? I think he wanted a bigger, <coughs> more in-depth explanation, but we are obviously still banging on the door. Um, whoever it was up front was, was knocking on the door of the wall. And I, I think he went back in, but officer, or Sergeant Magley actually said, just leave, just, for, just forget, or don't, don't talk to him, just leave him alone, or whatever, ignore him. Something, something of that nature, I don't remember his exact word. And so then, continue knocking on police search warrant, <clears throat> and this went on for probably 30, 45 seconds of banging um, and announcing, knocking and announcing. And reason for this, I believe when we were briefed, at the top of the board there was a, it says no knock warrants. I think that was because of the propensity for violence, I think that uh, the other locations, the guns that were found prior, I think of the violent history, I think this was, this address was also a no-knock. However, we were told this would be a, a female was there. They knew of a female suspect. She, somebody said she was heavy set. Uh, I don't recall her name, um, but she resided at that location. Um, and that's all I know. Um, didn't know anything about kids or dogs or anything like that. Um, back, to, back to knocking, continue to knock and announce. Uh, Detective. Nobles had the ram, and I was actually behind him, Sergeant. So the doors where you were at, I was to the right, uh, Sergeant Manley, Tony James, I believe, and Lieutenant Hoover were here. I was stacked up kind of behind them back towards Detective Campbell. Uh, Detective, uh, Detective Cosgrove, I don't recall where that, that number was decidedly sort of somewhere, but I, I don't remember the exact how, because it was, it was really weird, because when you go into the, the door, or the common area, you can't, it's not a breezeway that goes all the way through, just goes up, so we're kind of stuck in this, the people on this side of the door that usually stay, we'll have a cover one, cover two, on each side of the door, and then we'll have our, our entry, two people that will come, one and two after. We couldn't really do that, because there's nowhere for them to stand on the left side of the door, like we would any other place. Or at a normal, say, a regular standing room dwelling. So uh, we were just kind of bunched up there in that little corner of, of the, I guess it's not really the breezeway, but that area, the common area. Um, Detective Nobles um, being hitting the door with the ram, uh, hit it at least two times, and I want to say the third or fourth time. Uh, he hit it, you could tell, back was starting to buckle or the, was buckling near the, um, near the hinges, and then the third time it went all the way through, the door came open, and I don't recall if the door came left or right, 
and I guess that's wrong. The key, the, the point I'm making here, he, main entry, the guy with the ring will always immediately come back out. <laughs> that way he's not in the way, holding the ring with no, nothing to protect himself, no shield, no, uh, no, no firearm on or anything like that, because he literally is, is committed to the ring. So he hit the ring the third or fourth time, and then he spun, or came back, or spun back towards the parking lot away so we could funnel in. And I kind of came around him. I remember coming around him like a, a clockwise direction. And I already had my gun out ready and had it raised, um, or in the ready position rather, here, like uh, I guess 45 degree angle. And that's when the, I saw darkness in the apartment, but then I saw immediate illumination of fire come. Um, and what I saw at the time was a figure in a shooting stance, uh, and it looked as if he was holding, he or she was holding an AR-15 or a long gun, a rifle type of gun. And a couple of things I guess my brain processed to, to understand that was that the large muzzle flash looked like a, a large muzzle flash from a rifle, the loud, like, the loud percussion I got from it, and then um, the way he was holding the gun, or it appeared to be the way he was holding the gun, like, like we would if we were at the range or where the best way to describe it is to me when I guess in my mind process it was it was we were at the range shooting targets and you know how they will have to literally have the targets turn and it's either a bad guy or a good guy you don't know and they'll threat and it was literally I saw that threat target and then um, the, the muzzle flash from, from the gun um, I didn't I don't recall if I fired as I was going back, but I knew where we were at was was the worst place you could be, period. There was no other, and it's described, I guess, as a fatal fight on the academy, but that's exactly what it was. There was nowhere really for us. We were all kind of trapped in that uh, uh, common area because you have an apartment door behind us and then a wall here, door in front of us that where the threat's at. The only way to exit is back towards the parking lot. So in my mind, I need to get out of there as quickly as possible. So I spun out and ran directly back towards where where um, we, we came from, from the parking lot area, that, that I guess, path the sidewalk, past the um, past the doorway, or I'm sorry, past the stairwell, the common stairwell. As I made the corner to my left, because I'm trying, I know, I heard, I never, I never looked back, which may have been a mistake, but I never looked back to Sergeant Mattingly or Lieutenant Hoover. I just heard John say he was hit, or, or maybe someone said I'm hit or he's hit. I don't recall exactly which. And then the firing had gone back and forth. I'm, I guess I skipped all that. I can hear the firing as I'm going, as I'm making the corner. Now, I can see as I now have a better view, I can hear them say he's down or John's down. Almost at the same time, I guess, as I'm, as I'm rounding that corner. So John said he was down or said I'm hit. And then it almost is like the firing went from boom, 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 boom at the door or when I'm clearing that hallway to it sounded like rapid, uh, it sounded like rapid fire from from like an AR-15, which in my mind at the time, 
aligned perfectly with what I had seen. I thought I saw a rifle, I thought I saw someone had a shooting stance with a rifle, you know, with the left hand on the, on the, on the gun and, the, and bracing it on their shoulder and squatted down like in a military style, style shooting stance. And I made the corner, the firing as it starts to increase, I can see now, I can see the sliding glass doors, the sliding glass doors, the blinds or curtains or whatever it was, was closed. But I can see, um, because of the darkness inside the apartment, I can see the flashes, the muzzle flashes. So at that time, Sergeant Mattingly's down. I believe they're either pulling or dragging him, but it sounded like a lot of commotion. Like they couldn't get. I didn't know if they were getting John. people wrestling around on the ground. 
So I knew there was plenty of people. There was nobody trapped back in the hallway now. I knew there was plenty of people to, um, to tend to John. Um, I went to the primary channel. I think I might have gone on the wrong channel because I think I might have gone on three and I'm supposed to be two. But I got on the primary channel and said, a car number, and I said I need some car to Springdale officer been shot. And I specifically remember, <clears throat> I specifically remember that I I asked for the B cars to come with, because I knew we were done and all busy tending to John, whether it be getting him out or treating him. They were. I knew Tony had had a tourniquet or yelled that he had a tourniquet. I mean, I think that's, Lieutenant Hoover might have said that. Um, but I remember hearing somebody, I never, I never, um, I never even turned around, I don't think, at any point to look at them. Because my attention was addressed on these two windows and the breezeway. I thought the guy was actually advancing, but by the way, the sound of the last shots I heard from inside the apartment, he was advancing out toward us. I was, I was afraid, and I had a super helpless feeling, knowing that I had a, a handgun, and even though I had my attack vest on, and this guy had an AR-15, and he was going to, I felt kind of, I felt pretty helpless. Like, there's no way we can challenge this guy with an assault rifle. Um, so I watched the windows. As the B cars um, started to approach, there's some weird fence in the middle of the parking lot. I don't know how or why, but there's a fence across the parking lot gate. And I could see the B car, I hear the B car come up, and I could see his lights, and I think his name's Officer Combs, which I didn't know before this, but um, I told him to ram the gate. I wanted a car to come down to get to John so he could take him farther out, out maybe to the ambulance. And I was super frustrated because EMS was there with us, but EMS was nowhere to be found. And so I called on the radio and said, please tell EMS to come up the hill. An officer's been shot at 10.30, and I think I said that multiple times. And then I repeated on the radio, I ran a couple times, that I need, we need B cars with long guns. This guy has an AR-15. So I took off, or had the, uh, the new flashlights we were just issued. I actually sat it on top of one of the cars and kept it illuminated on just a random car in the parking lot towards the towards the um, sliding glass door, and then I moved over to cover to cover some the the, the other room windows because if that guy comes out or starts shooting back at us, I wanted him to shoot it with that flashlight that wasn't didn't have me behind it. And I wanted to kind of stay hidden behind cover. Um, it seemed like forever, I know it wasn't, but it seemed like forever. And that officer ended up breaking the gate like I told him to and got to John, and I think they, and I, I don't know, they took him farther away, or to EMS, maybe to a safer location. But I just maintained, um, I maintained uh, a visual in the apartment and then kind of um, delegated spots to the B cars that were showing up with rifles. Um, everybody, um, spaced out really good, did a really good job. A couple of guys had like tripods on their guns and everybody got behind cover. And I told them what, what, uh, what uh, windows were in play, or what was in play, what apartment we were looking at. Um, I think SWAT, SWAT came over the radio. I think it was my sergeant actually, it was Lieutenant Fon is in SWAT. But I think he is the one that got, um, came up on the radio and said to me, 
Brett, can you send me a picture? We're on the way. Can you send me pictures of the apartment, like what you have? And so I, I took, I think, two pictures and texted it to my sergeant. So, because he was coming with the squad, the rest of the squad guys uh, there, so they would know what they were uh, encountering. They were briefed separately from us. They were briefed at SWAT in reference to the three, uh, three warrants on LA in the same block. I don't know if their knowledge, if any, of our, of our uh, briefing or logistics at that location. So that's what he asked for, and I texted him that picture. Um, we, uh, we did a call out um, for anybody left in the apartment or anybody who was in the apartment, and that's when um, I got a gentleman, I've never seen an African-American male subject, and came out, I think he had a cell phone in his hand, um, came out and we did like a felony walk back, traffic stop type thing where I had him walk back. Um, Canine officer Nemo arrived with his uh, with his dog, and I think that kind of the guy was not very. He just wasn't listening. It wasn't he wasn't doing things that were the opposite. He just was like, uh, you know, it's hard to walk backwards or do you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't recall exactly what he said, but I think when the dog got there, it really actually started to listen because um, the dog was barking or whatever. I put him on his knees in between two cars. Um, and I handcuffed him along with another beat officer, if I don't know their name. Uh, we, handcuffed, we handcuffed him. I asked him if he was injured. He said it was not. If you need any medical attention, um, he, he did not. Um, and I asked him who else was up in the apartment. He said his girlfriend. And I believe he said she was dead inside the apartment. And he's asking him what was going on or whatever. And I'll refer that conversation to body cam because I think that's all on the patrol was. And I don't, I don't remember exactly what I said. It was that conversation where you heard uh, the medical assistant who's dead. And he said, uh, my girlfriend is dead inside the apartment. And immediately my mind was like, did we come, did we come to something that already happened? That's what flickered in my mind. This, did he, did him and his girlfriend have it? Did he kill his girlfriend prior to us getting That's what I kind of, in my mind at the time, thought. And he said, no, she was shooting at you with her nine, or her nine millimeter. I don't remember his exact words, but I'll refer to the body cam, but um, he said that she was the one that shot at us, um, and that she was dead in the apartment. Um, the B-car, whoever it was, and transported, um, transported him away. Uh, SWAT team arrived. I don't want to say at times I times kind of a blur, but within maybe five five minutes, the SWAT team arrived and they made entry and cleared the rest of the apartments. And I kind of followed in behind them, but I only went maybe maybe into the breezeway, a couple of steps into the breezeway, and they said it was clear, and they started to back out or, or come back out of the apartment. So let's, let's start. Let's start off where you left off. You said that you came in the real way on SWAT security. What did you do to I think I took like two steps maybe into the apartment. Okay, you know, you give information related to, you know, the apartment or documents in the I believe one of the, somebody said there's a deceased subject here, and I can see directly where uh, I had been prior where I'd seen the, the shooting, the shooter standing. There now is a female laying kind of in a slumped position 
and she appeared, appeared deceased in that location. But I never went up to her and made contact with her. At that point, did you, did you, what did you do? Just kind of go from that sort of I maybe took two steps in, I believe, like where, you know, you would wipe your feet off, and then I think the SWAT guy said it's clear or something that that conversation happened, and I turned back around and came back out. But I never, like, went through the apartment or anything like that. Where'd you go after you left the apartment? Back out to the parking lot. Where did you go from there? I think still remained in the parking lot. I, I didn't get my car or anything. I was kind of maybe wandering back and forth. Uh, I think they had already had John either in the EMS or he was gone at that point. Did you take any more police action after that? No. Did you ultimately end up in that VIU yeah, office? Where did you go before the VIU office? Dawson. Did you go by yourself? Or did you ever make contact with your I believe, and I don't know who it's in peer support, but I believe there was one person at the hospital that was from peer support, and then the chief was there, and I shook hands with the chief, and he said, you know, we're glad you're okay. Um, John looks good, or he's, John's going to make it, that type of thing. Because the chief was there prior to me getting there, and I spoke with him there at the at the right outside John's room, I went in. John's family was there. I think Detective McKinney, and John was conscious. I think he was probably medicated of some sort, but uh, gave him a hug. He was he was good, and that was kind of the good office. Yeah, bubbles here, um, and the phone thing not the same area. But the first photo is labeled for for record photo number one. Um, it is a photo of the entire area, you know, where the, the incident location took place. So we've got, we labeled the actual apartment building where the incident occurred as apartment, or uh, building A, or, or A. And in the gate, for reference, B. As you see, I mean, there's a, I wouldn't say considerable di distance, but it, it is a little bit away, a little ways from the apartment, the, uh, the gate. It separates the two different apartment communities. Prior to this, when you all were making your approach in your vehicles, how would you characterize the apartment living community to get to this point? Is it, is it easily accessed or is it? It's extremely difficult and confusing. I personally have been, we had a search warrant when I was in a major case a couple years prior on this street here, and I do not remember the name of it, but I remember passing it like, hey, we've done a warrant at the dead end of this street, and I think there's a church or something down there that's in it. And I remember passing that, and I said, that looks familiar. And we came actually up this hill, and I, I'm not here with directions, I think that's north. East. East, okay. We came, I guess, south, up a, up St. Anthony maybe, and I'm not here with third division at all. Up St. Anthony, and up, up, up a hill, and then we actually came up here, and came all the way across, and then we winded down through. Uh, it's kind of like, where, oh, this is not going to So that's what I was thinking, that was maybe the last or second last car in the, in the in a sack of cars or the caravan, but we ended up. So building A is here. I parked maybe right near the end of the building because there's a dumpster here, and I parked in just a regular parking place here. Uh, but we came from to answer your question, I guess. No, I think you want. Okay, it is yes. a hard place to get to. 
Right. We sat, we were in this kind of south, and this is where I unloaded from, and they kind of were up more just parked in the middle of the parking lot, like the police go, just kind of parked there. And that, I found an open parking place and parked in that spot. You talked you, you talk about the one that you went beforehand, and to your knowledge, Chris, and you said that Mike Campbell was the eyes, you know, he hit eyes on that. He was the one that was familiar with the case. Like I said, we were kind of summoned because they just needed bodies and they specifically needed my or a dog for each location. So that's why then he was the point of contact and I believe in the video for for that for that address. Okay. And this whole here uh, building number two is just a, a closer of an actual building where the took place. This is just so I'll notify <coughs> For the record, this is this opening here is the breezeway that leads into the apartments in question, particularly in the apartment four. And the, to describe the apartment buildings, it's a two-story apartment building, and there's four apartments upstairs, there's four apartments downstairs. Um, Total a number of eight apartments, uh, and, it, and this building is split in half. If you look at, if you look back at the building <coughs> at the top, there would be because of the layout, as you saw that night. Apartment four was on the east side of the, that opening, and then apartment five would be on the, the west side, and then there's two apartments on the north side, three and, and uh, two. Right. right. I, I didn't mean to say five. So it's one, two, no, Jared. So, so there's dwellings behind on the one side of the, of the apartment, and there's dwellings on the, the south side, so north and south, that's dwellings. Apartment dwellings. Um, so you guys make, you guys are, Approaching the target location, and you will hear this um, breezeway or opening uh, to access, you know, to get to where the door is. So, as you said, you know, you're not completely in the very back of the stack, but you're here in the rear of the stack, if you will. And for simplicity purposes, we're going to talk about the door in question, apartment four, we'll look at as we're looking at the door, so the left and right side. So. Before we ever get to the injury, you know, you guys are, you have a verbal exchange with a resident on the second floor. Can you go into detail about that exchange? I mean, kind of as much as, as you remember. I remember he came out and wanted to know kind of aggressively or not friendly like. It wasn't like a nosy neighbor, it was more of a, um, I guess, questioning us as to why we were there or. I don't remember the exact conversation, except he was, we, I, I told him personally to go back to his apartment numerous times, police, and he, I think, I feel like he shut the door and then opened it right back up, and I told him again to go back to the apartment, that's when John, or Sergeant Mattingly said, just, just, just ignore him, whatever the case was, because he, he had came out, and he wasn't out over top of us, he was more, I could see him in his doorway, but he had taken a couple of steps out of the apartment. Can you describe him as a black man in his 50s? Probably an older guy. Yeah. And yeah. When, you did, when you meant older, did you mean like gray hair older, or just, just he facial, facial look older? I don't remember if he had any, even if he had any hair. Um, so were you looking up at the top of, like, further down by the steps, or were you looking I was maybe, as the steps go up, I was maybe halfway back the steps and looking up at him so I can we can see each other and address each other. They were kind of under under that part of the stack was under um, so they couldn't even see to address them. I think it was maybe me and maybe me and Detective Campbell were the only, the only ones that 
So you have your verbal exchange with the second floor resident at some point, you know, manually or whoever decides, you know, this is drawing too much attention away from what we're supposed to focus on. And then uh, how long do you think you guys not going to announce the report? Like, you know, you're verbalizing and you, your pleas to, you know, leave before you be there, search for we kept, I kept, I know, I, I kept repeating, some other people had said it, I believe, or announced also, but I remember saying it at least five to six, seven times, and in that time frame, it probably took, because of the exchange or interruption, I guess, from this guy, we waited maybe 30 to 45 seconds for somebody to come to the door, and nobody came to the door. So there was a, there was a decision made by the man on the that you guys were and I don't know if Sergeant Magley made that call or Lieutenant Hoover made that call, but they were further up in the stack than I was. So the time of entry, or the time of force is put on the door, uh, what I'd like to do is, I'd like to, to the best of your knowledge, so if, if this is the door, okay, and left, you have to. I think Sergeant Magley, Lieutenant Hoover, Tony James, now I remember Tony James, I forgot to say this in the other part, I think it's relevant. Tony James, when we were walking out, Tony James had a bunker, or a shield, that's a ballistic shield, which we rarely, if ever, carry. I don't even know who has one, except people that are assigned to SWAT teams, but I remember Tony had one when we were walking up through, or walking up to the apartment after we got out of our cars. They're all to my left that I can remember. I don't remember where Miles was at the time, um, our Detective Cosgrove, if he's to my right or left, but he's, I feel like he was, he was behind Nobles, closer to I, closer to where I was. And Nobles is the one with the door to his right is framing from, you know, from his left side to the right side. So would you, would you be in front of Miles Cosgrove or behind? Because we're talking about 30, we'll just give it, I don't know the exact measurement, but we'll do, we'll do the max, 36 inch door. So it's basically about, well, so maybe about the exact width of this table. Um, and we know Maddie was on the left hand side because he had first life. Right. Um, and Nobles had already breached the door. And the door for, for the door handle was on the right hand side, therefore the hinge to swing back to the was on the left hand side, so it opened right up. Right. I don't know. So that's what trick. Yeah, we'll, we'll just say that that's, okay. that's the because that's the way that works. Okay. Uh, so at that point, we have Sergeant Manley, Tony James, or Lieutenant Hoover, in somewhat un unknown order. Now, the right side of the door, we have like Nobles, who has the breaching tool, who's not armed because he has a breaching tool. Is it you then, Cosgrove, or is it Cosgrove? I don't know if we were standing beside each other or we switched when, or we moved when, when Nobles came back and if we moved around him. I can't say the monsters are my right or left because I don't know. Okay. So, as <laughs> the door's breached and, and it's opened, um, you know, talk, tell us about that again. Sure. As soon as the door is breached, I came um, either from the ready or down after the ready. And that's, 
like I described it with, with the targets at the range. It was like an immediate threat. And I saw a large figure and down, hunched down with what appeared to be a long rifle. And I saw a large muzzle blast and, you know, got the percussion from the gun. I think that's a combination of much things in the sound. I know where to go and the fact that it was a direct one shot to us. So, how do you understand this? So I'm, I want to stay in the for a visual. So this is a door opening. We know Madeline is somewhere in this, on the left-hand side. We're always referring to him as looking at okay. Nobles has now done his job. He's out of the way. Are you right here next to Madeline, or is the cause for open ending? Remember, we basically have just enough room for my two I knew John was to my left. That's our own. And when I came around, I don't know if he came in as I did or he was already standing in that light or the opening door. So I don't remember if much, if any, from this edge of the door to that wall, if there's hardly any room at all. Maybe there was, I don't know if it's flat or there's some room for them. For Tony and John to stand off the side, so they're at least a little offset from the door. I don't know. So at the point that injury is beginning, um, you see you see muzzle flash and what you think is a long rifle point edge. A, a large figure in the shooting stands with a rifle. And could you tell you know who or what that figure was? Did you did you I mean you assumed it? Person? I, it, uh, it appeared to be a person, but like I said before, there were it was dark in the apartment, so I think when I got that muzzle flash, it illuminated maybe the silhouette of, of all I could see was uh, all I could see was a fire from the muzzle, and I could see a large a large figure, but it, it appeared to be in this in a military style like shooting stance. Like it was just, they were waiting on us to get that last few hits in to get the door up to, to fire. So at that point, and again, I want you to correct me if I'm saying something that's not okay. At that point, you said, you, you, you referenced what you said earlier. Are you aware or not aware that the Madeline's been shot? You just know that the threat's being used against you. I saw the threat and heard it, but my, like I told you, I knew we were in a sh crappy position where we're at as we could not get off the side or get out of out of the line of fire easily. So that's when I immediately I do not remember if I addressed the threat with with gunfire or if I just spun around yeah. and get out of there when I felt the because I knew that was what I was gonna say in that spot much longer, being for obvious reasons. And as I'm clearing coming down the breezeway, I either hear mention of, like I referred to earlier, somebody where John set up and hit, and they were down. So at that point, you know that a threat's been used, a threat has been used against you, and now that an officer has been shot. Correct. I knew both those things prior to making, uh, prior to making this corner, I guess, on the, on the pad. So you come out, and then, you know, for visual, and for me, you know, you have a stairwell that's open, and what I mean by open is there's, there's metal steps that you see through, um, and you now come up to this point, which you can't see it from the shadow in the picture, but the staircase comes down, and you're standing, are you standing right here? I'm not gonna let you 
I made this corner and I don't remember, I don't even know what this thing is right here, but this uh, is a, it's kind of hard to see because it's, it's a satellite picture, but this is like a handicap. Oh, right. And there's, there's not much of a, maybe a single step down, but you can see right here, and then this is the sidewalk. And this is just like a void area, like maybe they had some like decorative rock or some landscape rock or whatever. So, you know, again, this is just on memory. Um, are you more like right here? As you, you know, this is after you, you know, what you just stated. And then I'm like, I want you to go back through again, you know, what you did once you got to that point. Sure, I came out, I hooked this in, and I don't remember how far I came out. I wouldn't think I would have came far enough into the, into the lot, like to the actual paved portion, like right. the, the blacktop. And I returned, because I knew my threat was here, we were here. I returned my threat through at the muzzle flashes that were coming, that were eliminating this sliding glass door right in front of me. So when you're standing, you're literally, when you say right in front of you, it is literally right in front of you, like it's the sidewalk is attached to the patio that we're speaking about. So as you're standing right here, glass door, you are you see obvious muzzle flash inside of the car. Right. I see muzzle flash still, and this is the point where I think it actually increased, where I where I kind of got caught up a minute ago, because I don't think John, I don't think they had gotten him out of this out of this breezeway yet, and it actually intensified. Um, it went from you know I don't even know what else I mean shots, but it was a, a volley of shots. And then it was a boom, 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 boom. And I was, you know, like I said, I was, I thought they were taking fire here down because I knew they were on this shitty spot. And whether he was shooting at them through this wall, I didn't know at the time, but I kind of felt like he was, they were just, they were sitting ducks. So that's when I returned fire, like I said, through, the, through here. And I don't know if I stopped the return fire or if I was shot, I feel like I shot from two different locations. I shot a volley of shots here, and then when I still see, when I moved to over to closer to here, those red cars parked at, I can still see this light lighting up in the hallway, or bed, whatever room this is, this window lighting up, flashes, and gunfire. And that's when I decided to put additional rounds through here, because I knew the threat was straight on from this door, and straight across from this window. That's the last place I saw the guy shooting with the gun. And that's where I felt at that time to protect myself, to protect my 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 partners that had already been shot, I returned fire through the window. And as soon as I returned fire through that window, the threat stopped. The gun fire stopped. So at that point you just you know back back out to position recover and then and then as you as you stated it, you know you just got a full job other guys were you know treating Sergeant Madeline towards his injury and you just provided correct they they triaged him here I think there was a car parked here in these spots they triaged him somewhere out here and I think once the beef heard I think they moved him that way. But I never paid much I just and not that I didn't care obviously but because I knew they had their job to do was take care of him, get him out of there. I also knew none of them were talking on their radio. I didn't hear anybody, so I wanted to know why EMS was still down here at the church, and we needed them up here, obviously, because it's kind of confusing, I know, for everybody 
directions to get up there. Um, and then I dispatched, you know, or the sense that officers there had made them a job or told, you know, told them what, what, were, what was in play. I also, what I skipped, kind of skipped over earlier is that I was also afraid we were going to have, I wasn't familiar with this complex, had I ever been there, I don't think, it's my recollection, I've never been to this complex. I did not know that this apartment didn't end here, somewhere in the middle. I was afraid this guy, whoever, girl or guy, whoever, the shooter was going to go out, because I know for a fact we didn't have the back cover, which I thought was weird why didn't we have the back cover. Um, I might have sent somebody around back or yelled at him on the radio, we need the back cover. Um, but that was my concern, the guy was going to be gone out the back window, because I did not know where that complex ended on that side. Would you, would you say you would bring a little information in? Really, no. Just, just what I did. I mean, but was a briefing detail. Other than you know the obvious, the target, you know the location itself. I feel like we need. I feel like we we had more information about the LA address. Those were pretty detailed. But honestly, I didn't. Other than the names, which I knew none of the names they mentioned. I think they had their their names or pictures up on the board. That was not familiar with any of them. I never came in contact with them. And during that briefing, did, did maybe not the briefing, but did you all from that, from the briefing on, did you all how did you all consider this location? I've heard referred to as a soft location or soft target. That's what it was. That's what it was referred to a couple times, and I think the reason for that is that that SWAT was not going to do this. They knew that she had been getting packages delivered here. And I believe they had followed a target or two to or from this place. I was given that at the briefing, but I didn't know any further anything about that. Um, the guys I was with, we were all from, I mean, we're all in CID, we're all in Metro Cox, but we were all kind of the older guys were put with it because this was going to be the easy location. I felt that that's my Right, so the CID is broken into smaller little groups, right. and you're not in the group that was that had the investigation pertaining to this one. And neither was anybody there. We were just kind of a hodgepodge of people thrown together, but the place-based or the place-based contact was detected. And this location was even the lead, even the lead considered not a real like high priority. Right, I think there was a. If I remember correctly, they either said the score out loud or the score on the matrix was minimal, which doesn't require a SWAT consultation or, or a brief or a SWAT to do it. So, yes, approaching that, or especially when we were down here at the church, um, I guess your question is did I, did, did I anticipate it as a soft entry? Yes. And we don't use that term very often because usually it's an unknown, right. and then there's a high risk, and then the SWAT does that. But um, it was a female, little or no record, um, and I don't believe she had a history of any guns or firearms or anything like that at all. Did you get much information about the, the apartment itself, like the location, the parking lot, the building? I believe. There was a picture of it on the board of, it may have been in front of the board, maybe it was a Google photo, uh, I don't know. But I mean, we knew it was a fourplex, I knew it was a door to the right, I knew we had a video. Um, I don't remember anything out of the ordinary that would make me believe there was a reason this would have been a, a problematic or a tactical situation. 
would arise from, from, from the briefing now. And then the other guys that you were with, do you normally work with them? I do not. They were all in, um, they're all in different for me, I think. You, you remember by where your name went, but everybody's kind of sprinkled around from the airport unit to crew to DCS to um, command staff. Uh, and then just so we, I'm, I'm correct here, I understand this, is that, you know, you base the information you forwarded on to the patrol and when the patrolman uh, showed up, the, the rifle information based off something you visually saw before, which is why you just, you disseminated that information for officer safety and the patrolman officers when they responded. Is that correct? Yes, and the reason I did that was, like you said, what I saw, 100% sure that guy had, a, at that time, 100% sure he had a long, a long gun. And I knew it wasn't a shotgun, I'm kind of familiar with shotguns from hunting as a kid, and I knew it was not a shotgun. Um, one, because shotguns don't shoot that fast and don't shoot with the same, the same percussion. And with the B cars were coming out, I did not want the B cars to pull up here and start taking long rifle rounds. I wanted them to be mentally prepared to be able to challenge from a distance with a long gun with a long gun. Obviously, you don't want the pea shooter like I had behind a car taking cover. I didn't want to put them in danger. I wanted them tactically to be uh, safe because I knew all my guys were gone, or I felt like they were, had moved from here that way, either with the two back or right. Because that was, and I felt like I was the only one left. I don't know who else stayed with me at the time. I think maybe Miles was still there, but he was off. Maybe, maybe kind of giving directions to the guys coming in because obviously the B car you come up, you're coming to 1030 officer gun shot. You know, you don't have any idea. It's it's chaos. But I wanted them to know what what threat. Did the, I knew this was a threat. This was a threat. This was a threat in the hallway because I really thought the guy was advancing either at us as we were leaving or as they were being gone out that hallway. And I that, I was fearful he would just come out with you know with a rifle. So this, do you know if anything was moved around the scene when you were out there? Just are you guys right looking around for safety? Was the scene altered at all? I know that um, I did not know how many shots. I did not count. And I think some people actually count their head while they're shooting, but I did not count, or no, that wasn't even a priority, obviously. But when I moved back after I fired, when I moved back from cover, I wanted to reload. So I, on one of these car trunks or hoods, I don't remember which it was, or what exactly it was, I did, kept my eyes up, I kept reloading, and then I put my, well, I just didn't drop it, I don't know, but I put my magazine from my gun back into my, one of my pouches, so the empty well in my magazine well on my gun belt, and so I had a full mag if he continues to come out and advance towards. And this is after you can completed your fire break. When you said you went from there to the hospital, did you secure your dog? Did you take him home? He's, or? He stays, I uh, know, he stays with me. Uh, he can stay back there for hours. He's used to me. Sometimes riding out for five hours and I get a break. So he's, uh, we didn't, uh, we didn't stop and take a pressure break or anything. So when you come back to PA, you can still have your dog? Correct. Did you review the line in the finish related to this at all? No. You know, you, you like one. I don't know how to, well, I don't know how to pull up other, I guess you can pull up other people's body cam, but I'm not real good about that, like how to do it.